plans for my crazy day. My packed commute. All those unread emails in my inbox. But I'm getting stronger, faster, and pushing myself further every day. I don't care if I'm not like everyone else. This punching bag is the best way to end my day. <laughs> Fearless is knowing yoga isn't your style. That's the power of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Federal Employee Program. Learn more about our healthy benefits at fepblue.org slash get more. Hello, everybody. This is John B. with gangreennation.com, and this is the Locked On Jets podcast. It's part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Please subscribe to this show on iTunes or Audioboom, and be sure to give it good ratings. It is Thursday. We are just a couple days away from the Jets game against the San Francisco 49ers. It might be the least appealing game on the NFL schedule in 2016. Now on this show on Thursdays, we typically answer your mailbag questions from the comment section of gangreennation.com. That is what we will do today. So why don't we jump to it? Thank you so much for all of you who submitted questions. Uh, they're great. First question is, would you try to re-sign Geno Smith? And if so, how much would you offer? Uh, I think this would not be my first option. Because the Jets only have two quarterbacks under contract next season. They are Bryce Petty and Christian Hackenberg. So you don't have anything proven on the roster. We'll see how the season ends with Petty. Maybe he shows some promise, but at the end of the game, even if he plays well, four games does not a successful career make, does not a proven quarterback make. So the Jets, I think, are going to want to bring in a guy, a veteran guy, who at least has shown you some degree of stability, some degree of stable play through his career. Um, I don't think Geno is that guy. I would not totally rule it out, though, because... I've given up trying to figure out what the free agent market looks like. Um, you just never know. Part of it deals with things that are not knowable at this time, like who's what team covets which player. It also deals with how good your agent is. Can he get you a good deal? At the end of the day, there are not going to be a whole lot of attractive free agent quarterbacks because anybody who's good is going to be locked up by his team. So I don't know what's going to be out there. You may get to a situation where... Gino is the best option available to you, and he might be a cheap option. I would not pay a whole lot for Gino, um, just for the reason I mentioned, is that I want a guy who has a record of stable play. That's not something Gino has right now. Gino has Gino's a question mark. He's a maybe, you know, maybe those maybe his surroundings brought him down. Maybe he's improved. Maybe he can make good on his physical tools. But you're bringing in just another guy who a young guy who you don't know what you at best case scenario you don't know what you have in him um the other part of this is gino would also have to want to return and if i'm gino i'm looking for a fresh start it just has not worked here in new york um you know the well has kind of been poisoned with the media you know the fans don't really like him i shouldn't say that there are a lot of fans in gino's corner who you know have pointed out and i think they're right when they say gino's been treated unfairly by some in the media, by some in the fans. Uh, if I'm Gino, I'm kind of looking for a fresh start. I just feel kind of snake-bitten. Last two years, both years, you have a chance to show you've improved. Then the you know the punch in the locker room happens. And this year, he gets the starting job and gets hurt within a couple of quarters of getting it when he, he was going to have a long audition to show what he could do. If I'm Gino, what I'm looking to do is I'm looking to find... I'm looking to find a match with a team that has a big-time proven 
developer of quarterbacks. I'm really looking to study to learn my craft and try and you know make something of my career. So I'm not sure I would be looking to stay with the Jets if I were Geno. There are certainly scenarios, like I said, you know, you don't know how the free agent market's going to play out. If I can't get anybody else and Gino's willing to come back on a very cheap deal, I'd do it. But that would not be my first choice. The other thing that would play into this is quarterbacks who have experience can get money. You know, some can get relatively decent free agent money. So the Jets might be in a position to net a compensatory draft pick. If Gino signs elsewhere and they play their cards correctly in the rest of free agency, you know, maybe you get a quarterback who a veteran quarterback who was cut by somebody else and that factors into the equation and maybe you can land an extra pick. So Gino would not be my first choice. I would never rule it out though, because the way the market plays out, look, Gino actually is going to be better than a lot than some of these options, some of these other options the Jets are gonna have. The pickings are likely to be slim, so you can't rule it out. No, it would not be my first option. Next question is, let's say the season falls apart and Todd Bowles has to go. Do you have any favorite realistic candidate to take over? Um, You know, I've been pretty vocal. I I don't think you make a change right here. Um, If the Jets continue to play the way they did Monday night against the Colts, then you might be forced into one. I guess that's that's the question. I've stated my case that if you're going to do that and you're pretty much saying I'm not going to give a guy a chance to learn on the job you have to go out and get a big fish and part of the problem with that is I don't think any of the big fish are realistic Jim Harbaugh is certainly not going to leave Michigan after two years Um, another guy who'd be an obvious candidate is Nick Saban he's an excellent coach I think he'd be very successful if he came back to the NFL but Saban's a guy who's going to be able to pick his situation he's not going to have to take on a total rebuild if he wants to return to the NFL he can pick his spots and the other problem with it, when you talk about a guy like a Harbaugh or a Saban who's coaching at a football factory, a big state school with plenty of resources, is you're not going to be able to outbid them. Those schools are going to be able to offer those guys as much money as the Jets would pay him to stay there. And that's not a reflection on anything about the owner not willing to pay up. Even if the owner pays up, those schools will match whatever the Jets pay. Um, you know, in some cases, it's a better lifestyle to be in college. You certainly get more control over your program. You are the ultimate decider. There's no owner you have to deal with. Yes, you have to answer to an athletic director. But in in schools like that, the football coach is almost always bigger than the athletic director. Um, You know, another guy who's a big fish would be Josh McDaniels. I don't think the Jets can get him. I know McDaniels had a horrendous um, tenure with the Denver Broncos, but that was, you know, next season will be 2017. That's seven years ago. At some point, that becomes irrelevant. He's going back to New England. And he's really impressed me because he has not jumped at the first opportunity. seems like he's taken time to try and think about what went wrong the first time and look for the ideal opportunity. And say what you will about the guy on offensively, he's brilliant. And yes, he's had Tom Brady, but out in Denver, one of the few things that went right for him was he really got a lot of production out of Kyle Orton. Um, in New England, he, Matt Castle had a tremendous year under him. Even Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, only two games. Let's not go crazy about Garoppolo, but... Who thought Garoppolo would look that, that good in those two games? A tremendous offensive mind, really brilliant guy. In many ways, his career parallels that of Belichick, where he probably got a young job too young, did not have the people skills, went in a little arrogant, like Belichick in Cleveland, got fired, and has had time to reassess and rethink it, rethink about what he wants to do the next time he gets such an opportunity Problem is, why would he go to the Jets? You can either sit in New England and kick the Jets' butt every year, or you can go to the Jets and have your butt kicked by New England every year. 
Um, I think right now McDaniel's. My guess is his end game is he's looking at replacing Belichick. He, you know, maybe Belichick goes upstairs to become the GM. I think McDaniel's. You you could entice him if you know one of the premier jobs like a Pittsburgh or a Green Bay came open. I don't think he's coming to the Jets. So those are like the big fish guys that I would really look for. I don't think any of them are going to be attainable, and that's one of the issues with Bowles. If you're asking me for a couple guys, I'd be interested in. Um, the one guy who comes to mind who there are rumors he might be out is John Harbaugh in Baltimore. Now, if John Harbaugh becomes available, the Jets ought to just hand him a blank check because that guy's a tremendous coach. And that, I, you know, as I've said, I don't want to get rid of Bowles. If John Harbaugh became available, I'd make a move because that guy is as good of a coach as they come. That would be the example of a big fish, the proven winner. I'd go out and get that guy in a second. Um, Realistically, though, if the Jets make a change, I'm not sure you're going to be able to get that type of guy, that type of big fish, if Harbaugh is not available. So you're unfortunately going to have to look to that less less proven tier. So when we're talking less proven guys, a couple guys I would suggest might be David Shaw, the coach at Stanford. I'm not sure whether he's ready to make a move. I think he's a tremendous coach, tremendous developer of talent, has NFL experience. Um, I think he he'd have a chance to be a very good coach in the NFL. Uh, another guy I real, I'm kind of high on is the the other Patriots coordinator, Matt Patricia. And I know the response to that will be that Belichick guys have failed wherever they've gone. And, you know, there are good reasons for that. Belichick's influence is so all encompassing that maybe guys don't get the same level of training, but I think Patricia is a guy who stands a chance to break that trend. I think he's a really brilliant guy. There are plenty of articles on some of the stuff he's in that's, uh, you know, just some of the incredible nuance, incredible details, small things he picks up, the way he's modernized the Patriots operation. Also, interestingly, he's an engineer. And um, last, the last uh, NFL coach that I can think of who, a big-time coach who had a background in engineering was Tom Landry. Last Christmas, my dad got me a book. Uh, it was called Lombardi and Landry. And at one point, the New York Giants actually had Vince Lombardi as their offensive coordinator and Tom Landry as their defensive coordinator um, at the same time, which is incredible that you'd have two of the greatest coaches, two of the top 10 coaches in NFL history working together on the same coaching staff as coordinators at the same time. And it talked. About, it was interesting. It talked about Landry's background as an engineer, how it helped him design defenses because engineers have to build structurally sound objects that can weather any sort of obstacle that comes into their way um and landry kind of used his engineering mind to build defenses where he built a defense that could respond to anything that happened you know patricia has a great background he's been exposed to a number of different styles of play uh i think he stays a chance to be a very good coach again you run into the same problem with mcdaniels where he all indications are patricia's very happy in new england do you want to stay in new england and kick the jets butts butts every year or do you want to come to new york and have your butts kicked by the jets um another guy if we're talking nfl assistants kyle shanahan i think is going to be one of maybe the hot coordinator in the league when you look at the success the falcons have had even though he's young, he's got a ton of experience. He became the Houston's Tex- the Houston Texans offensive coordinator a decade ago at a very young age. Um, he's proven that he can do it. You know, His first job was with Derek- Gary Kubiak, an offensive guy. Then he worked with his father, who's also an offensive guy. Now he's, worked for, now he's working for a defensive coach and still having success. So he's proven he can have success on his own. 
I think another thing that in a weird way is kind of an advantage for him is that he's had some messy exits from some really bad franchises, Washington and Cleveland. In some ways, that, that might be a good thing because he's also been exposed to teams that don't do things the right way and it'll give him an idea of how to, what not to do. And sometimes no, sometimes having experience in a bad company and understanding the mistakes you don't want to make can be just as valuable as learning from a successful organization. Um, he's got his father's been in the NFL for a long time, so he'll have no trouble. He should have no trouble building a staff. It's always a question when a guy takes a head job for a first time how good he'll be. But I think he stands a chance to be pretty good. Another guy, if the Jets go the retread route, would be. Steelers coordinator Todd Haley, he was the head coach of Kansas City. He lost his job in 2011. It wasn't really because he was a bad coach, though. The team was decimated by injury, and Haley had problems dealing with people. Um, So if he's improved that, you know, if he's had time to reflect and understands how to interact better, that would be an interesting guy. He actually started early in his NFL career. He worked for the Jets under Bill Parcells. He started in the front office. Um, very good offensive mind, good play caller, good designer of an offense. That would be a guy, if you went the retread route, you wanted somebody experienced, that would be an intriguing name. So th- those would be a couple na- those would be some names that I'd have in mind. There's a follow-up question. Any thoughts on Eric Mangini coming back? Uh, my thoughts would be that this would not be something I'd want to see. I-, I don't understand the argument Mangini would have to take the job. I don't understand why Mangini is viewed as a decent option. He's he did a did not do a good job with the Jets. In some ways, every, you know everybody remembers Brett Favre, and in some ways, Favre coming was the best thing that happened to him because people look back on that and they forget what happened and they say, "Well, Favre, you know, Favre fell apart, so that cost Mangini his job." Well, maybe a little bit, but. You have to remember how uncreative, how bland those defenses were. And also remember, Favre was hurt. Jets had a great offensive line. They had Thomas Jones. They went ground and pound a year later, and that rode them to the AFC Championship game. They had a great rushing game. With their compromised Favre, they did not run, lead, lean on the run game enough with Mangini. I remember that horrendous game in Seattle, Week 16, 2008, in the snow, where Mangini just made awful decision after awful decision. Did not go for it on an early fourth down. Uh Field goal, team uh, Jay Feely knocks a field goal through with like 10 yards to spare. Jets get called for a penalty, undisciplined football. Then even th- even though they're backed up five yards and Feely made the kick with more than five yards to spare, Mangini punts, takes points off the board. Seattle's entire offensive line is on injured reserve, but that bland defense, that uncreative defense cannot register a single sack. Mangini's not a good coach, and he gets I think he gets too much credit for the six- draft success the Jets had. Yes, the head coach is involved. Yes, I'll give him some credit. He was not the guy making the picks. The scouting department was was doing a lot of the evaluations. Mike Tannenbaum made the picks. I think that this is a mistake that gets made frequently, is people say A happened, then B happened. Therefore, B happened because of A. So people say Mangini was hired, then the Jets had some good drafts. Therefore, the Jets had good drafts because of Mangini. That's not necessarily the case. You know, people forget Mangini was all, Mangini gets a lot of credit for what went right, but nobody Vernon Golston doesn't get blamed on Mangini. Mangini was the coach then. Mangini went to Cleveland. They had terrible drafts. He left Cleveland in no better shape than he found them, and he hasn't really done anything since then in the league to make me think he's improved at all. 
I don't think he's a good option. I, I would not be happy with Mancini. I would, I'd rather bring Rex Ryan back, and I think bringing Rex Ryan back would be a total joke. Next question, the next suggestion would be Doug Marone. I think Marone is a good example of why I disagree with the thought process that you have to hire an offensive guy. It's not about which side of the ball is your expertise. Look at Mike Tomlin. Mike Tomlin's a defensive guy. Look at the Steelers have had a very good offense during his tenure there because he's had good good offensive coordinators. Defensive guy can bring in a guy. Defensive guy can build a good offense. You just have to have, bring in the right guy. Whereas Marone's an offensive guy, but Marone being an offensive guy doesn't necessarily make him a good a guy who's capable who who built who can build a good offense. He's one of the he, those offenses he ran in Buffalo were some of the least creative, least dynamic. He's not an awful coach. Um, he's he's an okay coach, but he's not what the Jets need. And I, I guarantee you, people would be up in arms a, a, a half season in with some of the stuff he does offensively. So I, I would not want Marone. Next question: uh, Outside of quarterback, what is the biggest need if you had to pick one position? And see, I don't love the way people view. I'm guessing this question pertaining to the draft in particular. And I just find it strange that people all view, seem to view the draft in the same singular way, where you look at what positions you have and you decide which which spot you're weakest in, and that's where your draft needs are. Because I think it's much more complex than that. I think, yes, that plays a role in it, but there are also other things to consider. Right now, what the Jets need is they need an identity on offense. And the reason I bring this up is because I've seen some suggestions about the great back from LSU, Leonard Fournette, how the Jets might pick him. And there have been objections because they say the Jets have a bigger need, big, have bigger needs. And yet that might be true that running back is not their weakest position. But what the Jets really need is an identity on offense. Now, you may not think Fournette is a great pro prospect. You may be worried about maybe an injury or something. But if you think Fournette has a chance to be a great back, he could fill a big need for the Jets because he could give the Jets a a, a chance, a t- the type of team that could establish the run, run the ball on anybody. You know, think about some of the other great backs in this league. Now, Ezekiel Elliott would not be as good without the Dallas offensive line, but he'd be, still be a very productive back. You know, if you Jets get the type of back where you can hand the ball off 20, 25 times a game and know that you're going to have success, that opens things up for other guys because the defense has to commit more resources to stopping the run, which means simpler coverages. Brandon Marshall is going to be one-on-one a lot more. Eric Decker, Quincy, and Nunwa, these guys will have easier matchups. You can go to play action. You can make things simpler on what will be a younger quarterback. So I don't. You know, I think an offensive identity is a huge need for the, for the Jets. You look on defense, they certainly need guys who can cover. We can get more back to a more conventional view where maybe they need a cornerback. They could use an edge rusher too, although, you know, if the big 300-pounders were performing to the the way they should, the Jets would not they would not be a huge need. I think at this point, you you're looking for impact more than you're looking for a specific position though. Because, you know, if I tell you I can add a game-changing X what position are you really going to turn that down on for the Jets? So, yeah, a cornerback, I'd say corner is a big need. Offensive line's a big need. To answer your, to give you a direct answer to your question so that I'm not copping out, offensive line, corner, p- 
edge rusher. Those would be the three that come to mind. But I think you have to – I view it in a bigger in a bigger way. I, I take it kind of a different viewpoint where if I can get a back who I think is like a legit three-down back who is going to be able to run no matter what, that's a guy that intrigues me quite a bit. Next question is, how about Woody hiring a president of football operations to run the team? You can still have a cap guru and a GM. Woody, as a final say, is ridiculous. Well, the, the way any team is structured, the owner is always going to have the final say. The question is, how frequently does he interject himself into decisions? Um, you, you have a guy running football operations. Uh, you don't need a CEO. You can just let the football people do their job. You don't need to... I'm not a big fan. I'm not wild about this idea because I feel like you're just adding an extra layer of bureaucracy to this. Just let, let the football people do their job. And, you know, you have to be in there for the big decisions. Any owner will be. But for the most part, just stay out of the way. Let Trust the people you hired to do the job. All right. Our last question is going to be, just a, a general question about being a fan. What would your reaction be if someone knew you knew was a Jets fan but said, I had enough and started rooting for another team? And the reason he asked, you asked that is because someone you know is fed up with the Jets and said that they're becoming a Packers fan on Twitter. Uh, the best advice I can give you is it, don't worry about somebody else. What difference does it make to you what another person does with their time? People can do with their time whatever they want. They want to follow another team. They can follow another team. It doesn't really impact you. But what I will tell you is that I'm going to keep following the Jets. I'll be watching them this weekend. I'm not going to give up on the Jets just because they're bad. I'm going to complain about the Jets. I'm going to tell you what I think about the Jets. I'm going to be frustrated with the Jets if things don't go well, but I'll keep following the team. And you know something? Somebody else wants to follow the Packers. That that should not bother you because you know what? You keep following the Jets. At some point, the Jets are going to figure this thing out. And it will be so rewarding for you that you stuck with the team through the difficult times. You'll remember how you never gave up on the team. You'll think about the, the tough times you weathered. It will never be as special for that for your friend who's rooting for the Packers. The Packers win. It's not going to be as special for him as it will be for you when the Jets finally put it together. Ask Chicago Cubs fans who were with that team through thick and thin how, how it felt this year when their team finally did it all. Now, hopefully the Jets don't go over a century between championships. But don't worry about other people. You just keep following the Jets. Stay loyal to your team and... I don't know whether it's going to be this year. It's not going to be this year. I, I do know it's not going to be this year, but you know, I don't know whether it's going to be next year. At some point, this team will figure it out, and you'll feel really proud of yourself that you stuck with it, and you'll feel such a reward. Anyway, thank you for so much for listening. Thanks for the great questions. This has been the Locked On Jets podcast. It's part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Please subscribe to the show. Give it good ratings. This is John B. with GangGreenNation.com wishing you a great day. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org slash catalyst.